3: Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora.
1: What up? It's Unpaid Bill. Check out this QLS Classic with Angelique Kidjo. Four time Grammy winner Angelique Kidjo sits down with Team Supreme. It's a QLS Classic with Angelique Kidjo from June 6, 2018. Suprema, sup, su, Suprema, roll call. Suprema, sup, sup, Suprema, roll call. Suprema, sup, su, Suprema, roll call. Suprema, sup, sup, Suprema, roll call. Just
3: so that you know, yeah, Angelique Cujo, yeah, my roots just might be, yeah, and Benin and Cartuno. roll call. <laughs> <before> <laughs> <you know>. Suprema, sup, <laughs> sup, su, <laughs> Suprema, roll call. Suprema, sup sup. suprema roll
4: call. It's La'ia. Yeah. I booked an African diva. Yeah. Then I didn't show up.
1: Yeah. I'm at home smoking sativa. <laughs> We're calling. Suprema, sup. Su, suprema roll call. call out. Suprema, wow. sup. Su, suprema roll call. i have unpaid bill. Yeah. And I'll tell you so. Yeah. I wrote my college thesis yeah. on Angelique, though. Know. Roll Team call. That's true. Suprema. Yeah. Su-su-suprema roll call. Suprema. Su-su-suprema roll call. Boss Bill's excited. Yeah. For this here show. Yeah. I'm ready to learn. Yeah. What I do not know. Roll call.
5: <laughs> suprema.
1: <laughs> su-, su suprema roll call. Suprema. I think I killed her here. <laughs> su- <laughs> su- suprema roll call. So
6: here I come.
1: Yeah From Africa Yeah
6: I got something yeah. To tell you, dude.
1: Roll call. Suprema. Sup suprema roll call. Suprema. Mm-hmm. Sup su- suprema roll call. Suprema. Mm-hmm. Sup su- suprema roll call. Suprema. Mm-hmm. Sup su- suprema roll call. Highlight mm-hmm. su- su- oh, it. Wait. Sativa. <laughs> <laughs> wait. You ever...
3: <laughs> what, you just, you what just ever, happened? You ever cough so hard that you have a headache? Yeah. Oh, happens. Happens. yeah. I think I... Uh, I set a vessel. blood vessel. Great. <laughs> was... aneurysm? That's good. Oh God! I was oh laughing. no! Come on! Don't I joke was... <laughs> with that. <laughs> uh, we got uh, Sugar Steve and, and the Bill Twins. Hello. <laughs> unpaid, unpaid and uh, boss. And boss Bill. Uh, if you hear any noise, it's just the boys because is not <laughs> here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sound of. Where,
3: where is Laia? Why did you call her out?
1: She's moving. She's not here. Okay. I don't
3: know. Well, she's moving, and she's this moving. would be—it's just be... that
4: she's not. She's. Th- this would be such a great show for her to participate in. I mean,
3: we we, we Since, have uh, royalty <laughs> with us, and and why well, not here for this? Uh, and I guess uh, Fontigalo is still tending to his uh, <laughs> kitchen countertop. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, moving
6: it's, is not easy, guys. Come on.
3: I see. It's not. It's true. I see. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, tonight uh, or today, uh, we're in the presence of royalty. Uh, we have the undisputed queen of african music uh and according to time magazine uh she is africa's premier diva i don't know if what's the jury on the word term <clears throat> diva it's over with diva isn't it already is it yeah, yeah.
1: It have enough of that f-
6: nonsense
3: okay okay so we'll just say that according to time magazine you're just the premier i will <laughs> no
6: i'm not a premier i'm just a, a regular singer
3: Oh, okay, you okay? She's one of those. Humble, humble. Yeah, yeah.
6: <laughs> no, I'm always humble because this life is like that. One day you're up, the next day you're down with it's your true. nose in the dookie. This
3: is true. All right, well, <laughs> ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, <laughs> fresh from dookie nose, <laughs> let us welcome
5: right. the no queen
3: of the queen of all, uh, Angelique Cujo to Quest Love Supreme. Thank you so much. Yes. Okay, now, I'm paid Bill. Yes, boss. And you rarely uh, take the, take, you're rarely uh, out of the, the batter's box first on the show, but. Here I am. You did your final
1: college thesis. Yes. On our subject today. I did. Explain this. Okay. Well, I was really into West African music in college. I went to Ghana for a semester when I was in a sophomore junior or something like that. Wait, you what? Yeah, I went to, I've been to Africa more than anybody in this room Probably. besides Angelique <laughs> Kijo, I think. <laughs> you serious? Yeah. But anyway, so I went to...
3: Wait, I'm not using this just to play your new theme song. Oh, and by the way,
1: there's a lot of random shit that goes on in my life, and here's why.
5: <laughs> what just happened?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's my that, new theme, song.
4: New to it. theme song. You, finally like you finally have your theme. Wow. Wow.
3: Yeah, you I didn't get did, you didn't, didn't, didn't know that?
4: No, that worked because I felt like I was so high <laughs>
1: <assistant to> that.
3: <laughs> No. Like I mean, more than
1: normal? Or just like Unpaid Bill is random. I'm random. I
3: mean he's just so wait. So I I, I How many I, times have you been to Africa? Three
1: three times. Woo. Twice. Twice. Okay. That's two. To more each than coast. Me. Anyway, that's not important. I wrote my thesis about what I called transatlantic diasporic feedback, which is a smart way of saying we all know how West African African music affected the states, but then in turn how the states how the music went back around and affected West Africa. So like people like and people like Angela Kijo, who like
3: we're influenced, were influenced
1: by by funk and like also African music, but like other stuff that happened. And then and then there's another trip across the Atlantic, and it kind of keeps on going in this big circle. And so that's dog chasing its tail. Yeah. I so I, I wrote my thesis about that.
3: That's beautiful. Okay. Well, anyway. Angelique. that was sort of like the movie preview <laughs> but, but, now I'm gonna get to you but uh, I, f-
6: I think that's it's interesting that you thought of doing that but most of, most of the time people don't even understand don't even realize that the music they have been listening to for so many years or centuries mm-hmm. comes from Africa and I always tell people no music will exist in America without the blues everything starts with the blues and ends with the blues bluegrass is not white people's music it's black people's music all the music in this country it's black people, music. That's sorry. Yeah, a lot of
3: my uh, students, the first year I started teaching at uh, NYU, didn't know that, uh, three students didn't know that the banjo came from Africa. Like a lot of instruments that are used in country western music. They don't even know that. They didn't know that. Yeah, wow. they didn't. Um, so, how are you today? Me? I'm cool. Apart from the rain that makes me
6: stay in the car for more than, <laughs> and now and I have to get here and my bladder was crying for help. <laughs> <laughs> when I walked in here, I mean, come on guys. Just for you I do that, eh? Quest off. You know that, right?
3: Yes, just for me. Yeah. I, because you
6: what every time you you he invited me, I always have to go for traffic. There's something going on with this guy with traffic.
3: <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Well, and I'm, three I'm, I'm, to I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you made it. So you're you've been a New Yorker for a second, correct? how how, how long have you been? I've any? been
6: here since nineteen ninety
3: seven. Okay. So I guess twenty one years makes you that my official rule is that if you're a transplant uh, from out of New York, you can officially start calling yourself a real New Yorker. Yeah, I am. After 20 years. Yeah. Oh. So
1: I'm only on my ninth year. I'm so.
6: I'm Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn, y'all. See, that, number keeps, <laughs> that number
1: keeps changing. Yeah, I feel like you always change that number. Not from, not from you. I hear it from a lot of people. Heard, I first I started in 2008. With, no, the number of years it takes to claim New Yorker status. I've been here for 16 years. I think I'm a New Yorker now.
6: Once you pass 10 years, you're New York. Yeah, Sorry, boy. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: Nah. Come on, I
1: can't, because I can't. I've renewed I'm, my driver's license here twice.
3: <laughs> I'm still a Pennsylvania <laughs> resident. My tax, like, I'm still a Pennsylvanian because uh, uh, I'm too lazy to go to DMV, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But well, it's so close, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But
1: how long have you been? Well, I was about to ask. I grew up on Long Island, which. All New Yorkers don't think oh, you exist. No, you're really a New Yorker. Yeah. How but do you I have an accent? My mom does. I don't I don't know.
3: Okay.
6: I don't even know you have an accent. I have so many accents, I you don't even You have like a anymore. little bit
1: of an accent too, just a tiny one.
6: I don't care. <laughs> Me, I have an accent and I'm proud of it. What
3: part of Brooklyn? Park Slope. Oh, okay. Nice. Cool Brooklyn. Is there an uncool Brooklyn, like? We're, what's what's hitting for Vincent Hurst these I, days? What? Like live I live in Bushwick. Bushwick is in yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah. That's yeah. cool, yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah. You live in Brooks- Bushwick, Yeah. and you don't wear an ounce of camo, or <laughs> <laughs> not not since like two thousand eight. Okay. Oh geez. Like your no, I've seen them brothers in Bushwick. Like they still have like one leg rolled up and a Dutch a Dutch in their ear. Come on. A white <laughs> It's, it's changed ear. a little
1: bit since
3: then. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. so there's art. Like pickle yeah. shops yeah, and yeah. okay, I see, I understand. One day I'll I'll, I'll check the Brooklyn. Mm. No, you won't.
1: Uh, yeah, I won't. you go to Brooklyn Bowl, don't you? Like once a month.
3: Um, yeah, <laughs> I guess that. I don't know if Williamsburg really counts as super like Brooklyn, but anyway. Um, so Manhattan I would like suburb. Okay, I see. Yes, the Manhattan suburb. So I have to say that in the years that I've been collaborating with you and you know doing stuff and shows with you um you and i have never ever ever talked about your story and what brought you to prominence and mm-hmm. dominance uh across the world and, and especially in the in in the world of, of african music first of all okay when they say african music i almost feel like it's being too broad
6: <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, I call it reducing Africa to one thing that Westerner can understand, chew, and uh, absorbs without asking themselves questions.
1: We're idiots, okay. <laughs> I mean, we're idiots. You no, know, no, like you just read us for filth. No,
6: yeah. no, no, you. No, you, I'm, I'm saying it, but I'm talking about Westerner Because who tell the story of black people from the beginning, the Westerner From the beginning when they set a foot in Africa, we were doomed because they come with a plan. And that plan was to enslave us, to colonize us, and to take our wealth away, the resources away, and keep their hands on it, and continue telling the story of us not being smart enough, being childish. We have no culture. We have no civilization. We have no library. We have nothing. We are savage people. When you are dehumanized from the beginning, how do you reclaim your your humanity? As, As Kerry James was telling me when I was sitting down with him, he said, we ne- we never win any battle. We've been we've been we've been defeated. So it's very hard for us to tell our story from the point of being defeated. Because we're never given a chance to do whatever we wanted to do the way we wanted to do it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it was just she's woke woke, woke, woke. Yeah. yeah. Um okay, so I just recently up until Maybe five or six months ago um was told that my family history starts in Benin Benin you're from there how many how large is the the territory that you're from
6: well uh i know in uh, kilometer i don't know in one point six million kilometers is the country it's the small country we are we are close to pretty much twelve million and um We have 50 different languages. Whoa. Oh, yeah. I mean, take one five miles, you go to the next village. Different rhythm, different drums, different languages. Everything is different. So out of the 50, I only speak four. But those four allowed me to be able to move completely in the south all the way to the center of the country. But as soon as I hit the northern countries, I need an interpreter because I don't speak any of the language from the north.
3: How many languages are... Would you, your assessment, how many languages are in the continent of Africa?
6: Some people say 1,500, and I say there's more than that. Because really? every little, every little uh, village, the language, sometimes what happens is that it's, it's, it's like between Latin and French. The language of my father, Fong, was, at the beginning, it was called Peda, it was a tribe. And it was very difficult for people to understand. So step by step, when colonization coming, in, it start being diluted a little bit to make it more understandable so it turned to French instead of being the pidgin language. But the pidgin language, when you speak the pidgin language, you understand a lot of languages from the southern part, like Eve, uh, like uh, Nago, many different languages in the south. And uh, it, what is interesting to me is how, as a little girl born in the city, I was able to be surrounded by different languages in one street, the street I grew up in. Mm-hmm. So I have, in front of my house, I have the Muslim, I have the mosque. I have people from this, the, the Mono that comes from between uh, Ghana, Togo, and Benin, that kind of thing. And then I have people from Nigeria. My mom is from Nigeria. So I have, I speak Yoruba too. And then you have all those people during the battle between the kingdom of the Fon and the kingdom of oyo of Yoruba when they used to fight for territory every time somebody wins a battle you bring the prisoners back so the prisoners that come from the Yoruba land they are, you find them in the the, the, the the place the village is the village that they built is called ketu
5: mm-hmm. and
6: the language is called Nago which derived from Yoruba but mixed with the language that was in the area so they mix it up and it's a completely different language from
3: uh, Yoruba so is it is it quite often that there's conflict between the Nigerians and... Uh, no more. The, but- no more. At the beginning, it was
6: Nigeria being in Togo, Ghana, they were one country. Okay. So it's the colonizer that put the, the, the frontiers, the separate tribes. We are all the same, pretty much. If you do the DNA test of Nigerian... Ghanaian, um, even Cameroonian on the northern part of, of Cameroon, and Togo, we're all the same people all the way to the north. The north of Benin frontier is the Niger River. So what makes it complicated for me to learn a language from Niger is that you have a lot of trade that go f- from the northern part of Benin to Nigeria. You have the Aousa. Aousa is the language... Aousa and Swahili are the two biggest languages in Africa because they are languages of trade. So, if you want to trade from west to east, north south, if you speak Aousa, you can turn, you can do the whole continent, and if you speak Swahili too, so you have the Aousa in the north, you have the northern people from Togo that are there, you have mm-hmm. the northern people from Niger that comes in because they are no, all the nomad. They come in when it's too dry in the desert. The closest way, place where they can get water. Is in Benin, so they cross the river to come in. So it's very, very complex. The north and they have so many different languages, and the rhythm also is completely different. Isn't the how's only, the
3: rhythm different?
6: The the rhythm in 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 the in the south is much more six eight, and in the northern is more complex. Is you have a five four, all those kind of different weird uh, rhythm, and it's the only place in the whole country where women have their music, the traditional music separate. From the man. when they are playing, they want no guys in there, and it's like you just don't touch our drum. This is kind of pretty, superior, serious. Really?
1: Oh, really? Also, the drums themselves are totally different. Like completely. the whole the rhythmic complexities are completely completely. Different. <laughs> if you <clears throat> if you go like five miles east or five miles west, because all those countries are really close together, so Ghana, Togo, Benin, Nigeria are all next to each other, and you can get to them by going through them, and then you go from an Anglophone to a Francophone to an Anglophone country. So there's this constant dealing of languages and it's it's insane and, and and not and in addition to Benin sorry to get all gunnanny but like, like <laughs> the, that that country also as you go north has totally different languages and totally different drum cultures by going 50 miles you have Kumasi which is the middle of the country which has its own culture I
6: love K- Kumasi better than K- Accra
1: yeah me too no, and then Tamale, egg. which is closer to the desert which is more like talking drums and things like that it's a totally different culture as well as you go as Just you go
6: like, like in like, well, there one village that was.
3: I Wait, hang on one second.
1: <laughs>
3: okay, so
6: good. Like your mom is Jamaican. What the hell do you know about no, that? That's just- <laughs> Look, you know one of the things that was really interesting for me, growing up in Benin, I never wanted, I never went to the north because when the colonizer came, they divide the southerner from the northerner. And they told us, they told the Southerner, you go to the north, they're going to kill you. They are savage people there. So when I was a little kid, I'm not like, going want to go to the north. I want to tra- travel to desert. My father said, yeah, i like to go. My mama said, no, don't send my child there. I'm like, what's going on? I have to leave my country because of the communist dictatorship. Go to France and coming back to my country to discover the north. And I discover a village. Insane. It's called Manigri.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: They speak Nago. Yoruba but it's different it's I understand them but there are certain things I don't understand and in that village particularly the only thing the guys are allowed to do when they are playing music mm-hmm. is to play the equivalent I think the ancestor of Berimbao that's where it comes from it's that small guitar that goes ding, ding 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 and the only thing he can say the women are singing and he's going
3: mm-hmm he can only hum mm-hmm,
6: that's it you say more than that, they just, they just go like, we don't, <laughs> we don't ask you to sing yet.
3: Shut up. <laughs> so it's sort of not segregation. But no, it's, it's not the,
6: segregation. It's that when, when the guys are respecting doing- Respecting the
3: culture. And, but the
6: thing is, when the guys are doing their music, the women are not singing. They are cooking.
3: So there's no tribes that collaborate with each other? They do
6: when somebody dies. So somebody dies, Only in death, when come. somebody have a baby, when somebody's getting married, when this, for something that is not official. Because when I come to see them in the village, the women want to pay tribute to me. So that's when they come and want to sing to me. Mm-hmm. And they tell the guy, she's our sister. We want to sing for her. You can come in, but we are the main attraction here. So that's the choice. And the men respect that. But they are there. They do. Oh, yeah.
3: Because i would I would figure that there's
6: in music there's not no, no in music there's no violence it's just like this, and then everybody respect each each person's desire to play the music they want to play at that time, and that's what is it really interesting, and it's also a Muslim uh, village
3: and even now and today like that that is still respected
6: well, you want to go come with me I'll take you there you' see
3: it for yourself when's the last time you you been uh, there it
6: was three years ago
3: boss bill when's the last time I am paid on uh, people. Or, uh, why I don't right, be our boss one day. No, Two, 2001 2001, okay.
0: All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb.
1: sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world
4: listen to creating a con the story of bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
7: imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions i'm mini driver
3: So
6: let's go okay. to Benin.
1: Yeah, yeah let's go. Because are from
6: Benin, you are from
3: Benin, you gotta go see it. Well, I was asking because I think the, the story that was told to me was that um, when the last slave ship, American slave ship, the Clotilda, um, was gathering uh, their last flock, their mm. last uh, cargo mm. of slaves... Mm. Um, that the there were prisoners i i guess they were uh uh either there were nigerians captured in benin or benin in nigeria that that part i'm still mm-hmm. kind of rusty on but i believe that they were nigerian captured in in benin and it was 200 of them and they were taken to alabama and then at the last not at the last minute, um, because slavery was illegal by that point. Uh, it's kind of like the the my grand, great great grandfather's the the, the last slave. Mm-hmm. Um, he was allowed to start his own uh, Yoruba uh, practice in Little Africa in mm-hmm. Alabama. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten a chance to see that village at all, or what what it's no, I have
6: I've been to Alabama but I stopped uh, I was in Birmingham. Okay. And
3: uh, this is more near Mobile.
6: So I think I have to go back there because I, I went to visit um, the memorial of uh, those young girls in school. It was a, yeah, mo- the four a girls. It, it was just a moving moment for me. Mm-hmm. What is really sad for me when I go to those places is that we in Africa we got no idea what's going on. What goes on when people left? We have no idea. And we are so ignorant about the, the history of African-American is painful. And I came here in 1997. I knew very little. I knew a little bit because I always ask questions. And because music has attracted my attention to the fact that there are African people in America that they are doing the music that speaks to me, that I can bring to the traditional musician. It's the funniest thing ever. I brought James Brown in the middle of the, my village. Their groove on it, man, is just like, oh, you go, what the hell? They don't understand <laughs> nothing. They're going, say la, back and blah, and then playing it. I'm like, oh, shoot, sure. mm-hmm. Damn, what is that? It was even groovier than James Brown stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, we have so much in common, yet the job of brainwashing us and dividing us has been done so smartly that we keep believing the people that enslave us, what they tell us is the truth. I have a different take on this because I grew up with my both grandmother died over hundred years, and the first time I heard the word slave, I'm like, "What is that?" I was nine years old, mm-hmm. because my brother taught himself to play guitar by listening to all the guitar player, and he was a huge fan of Jimi Hendrix, mm. and he was born bold. I mean, he never had any hair, so one day the axis of love, what that, that axis I,
3: Bold I, is love, yeah,
6: that's what that I don't come home. I'm like. This guy is Beninese.
3: But how were you hearing that? You thought he was, you think that Hendrix? Yeah, he was playing.
6: My brother was playing the guitar. He put the freaking Afro wig on. I said, you don't need an Afro wig to play the guitar, man. But dude, <laughs> what the hell is going on? He said, I going to look like that guy and sound like him. I said, yeah, that guy, by the way, he's African. He's Beninese. What is language is he singing in? And he goes, he's not Beninese. He's African-American. I was nine years old. I look at him and I say, I might be nine, dude. I ain't stupid. You can't be African (laughs) and American at the same time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then he said, yes, you can. I said, no, you're lying to me. He said, no. He's a slave descendant. I said, what is a slave? What is a descendant? He goes, you know what? Because my nickname in my family is when, why, how? I ask so much questions. Every elderly (laughs) people, as soon as I come into the village, they go, everybody (laughs) just scattered around. So he said, go ask grandma. So I went to ask my grandma, and my grandma started telling me the story of slavery. I'm like, she mm-hmm. she's mad. Because I never... You can not believe it, yeah. My mom and dad always used to... One thing they repeated every day to us is that a human being is not a matter of color. Do not come back to this house and say you fail because you're black. Because that's the day you're going to see our hands. Because they never raised a hand on us. I'm like, why they say that? I grew up in such a protected, loving, musical, cultural place. Where the house was open to everybody. Today, you go to Cotonou, you say, you're my friend. My mom said, come on, this is the room. Eat, sleep. That's how my parents are. They don't have any kind of fear about any other human being. So for me, when I, I arrived in France and started hearing all those racist slurs, I was like, "What does this thing come from? I never felt like that. And even the story of slavery, for me, it was not true. I did not believe in it until I turned 15. And I saw Winnie Mandela on TV talking about Nelson Mandela in jail and And I was sitting in the living room, and I turned around for the first time in my life. I started cursing at my parents and insulting them, Think I've never done. And they were just like, take a back. Whoa,
3: you were I was, allowed to live after <laughs> that? <it? laughs> I was
6: mad. I said, you are liars. you lying to me. That, that it, it, Suddenly I realized... That I've been, I've been living believing that my skin color was not going to be any liability for me ever. That everywhere I go in the world, I'll be, I'll be, be welcome with open arms. And then I'm not far from where I live. People are still under appetite and what's so. And I just I go crazy. Literally go crazy. I was sobbing so much. And I walk into my room, slam the door. And I stay in that room for two, three hours. And I come out and I say to my dad, I wrote a song. And I was still crying. My father said, let us hear it. So I started singing the song. And I finished the song and my father said to me, well, I understand you're mad. I understand you're sad. Whatever feeling you have tonight, I get it. But one thing I have to tell you, you will never as a musician praise hate nor violence. What you're saying, not going to go in my house. You're never going to sing that song. Unless as an artist, you realize that your role is to build bridges, to hold the key to a closed door for people to come together because it's a gift that is given to you with love, not with hate. Unless you went, go back in that room that you come from and rewrite this song and think about what that anger can be turned to, into positive, what strength it can give you, what you think the, the, the future can look like, and you rewrite the song. If you don't do that, you know i not going to sing under my roof anymore. So I went back and I rewrite the song and it becomes, for me, to be able to live with it, an anthem of peace. Where I said in that song, I'm, the sun comes out everywhere the same way. The bird flies in the sky the same way. There's no frontier, there's no color. Wherever they go, they go free. And I'm dreaming of a world where we all, as human beings, we can move around free with no fear. That I'm dreaming of the world where there's not, there will never be any more ever oppressor or oppressed people. My father said, "Now I like that song. You can sing it."
3: So you're yeah. saying at that, that moment when you saw Winnie Mandela, uh, you were 15 years old. This time, so uh, it called, my life just so like just
6: a bam it's like two two cosmos come together. So suddenly, what my grandmother told to me, I'm like, mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing.
3: So were you not aware of what was going on next door in Nigeria with no. what Fela was doing with his music? And
6: Oh, yeah, Fela, yes. I knew what Fela, I mean, when I was a teenager, I knew because when Zombie come out, first of all, when Fela, Fela, Fela's music started, it was a, a kind of um, revolution, a huge revolution, because for me, for years, the music that was coming from Nigeria was Fuji music and Juju music. And We were like, and we were like, you know, Obey. We were all dancing on that Fuji
3: music and Juju, Juju music, Juju. Okay.
1: Sonia Day, Sonia
6: Day, kind of, yeah. uh, uh, okay. Ishola. I mean, oh, most I, I just like dancing it. And then
1: <laughs>
6: fella comes in here, Everybody, like, Come on now, come on now.
3: So it sounded radical to you at the time.
6: Oh, man, I like it because the first song I heard was Open and Close. Okay, we drive our parents. Crazy because we invented a so nasty dance. I don't tell you even how what we do it. <laughs> my father and my mother. You're not gonna listen to that music anymore if you dance like that. We are like, yeah, right. As soon as you go to work, we're gonna come around and crank it up and then move our booty and <laughs> open it up. I mean, just like crazy. And then it gave us as young girls freedom of making our own music, music on top of it and dancing it because we see fella like dancers dancing, we are like. It was an eye-opening for for me as a young girl what you can do with music, how you can empower people with music too. Then he wrote the song Zombie mm-hmm. because I always used to go back and forth on vacation in Nigeria because I have part of my family in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So we arrived in Lagos one day and my auntie said, you come in that house, you close the door, you don't go out. I'm like, auntie, we gotta go see the other cousins. I say, you ain't live in this house. like, going on? Me, I'm curious like hell. You tell me no, or be it? That's a yes. It's, it's a yes. Oh, God. <laughs> you better wait for something that's going to happen to you. And then I know all the way to sneak out of that house. Because all my cousins, or oh, the shit we do, the parents don't see. So they were sitting in the living room. We go out there. We get into the street. Oh, my God. The house of my auntie was not far from the, 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 the shrine. The, not, not far from the shrine where all the taxi comes to. Okay. and all those people were there and then you see the military out there and everybody's walking from the military somebody you not know, going go talk unless you tell them to talk to their face like this and they will chase them they'll be running and then at one point I'm like you don't live here they're gonna kick you and then at that time my mom realized I was no longer there she was start screaming my name <laughs> your father <laughs> gonna kill me man something happened to this child and I came out and said why are you I said I didn't go nowhere I went to the toilet Mm. <laughs> I didn't go anywhere I just went to the toilet Really? I said yes mom And I was covered with dust So where was the toilet? I see we went to the next neighbor there Because somebody was in the toilet they were Just we make up Your mind to make stuff Because you're going to get a slap yeah. on your face right. <laughs> So fella That's what fella did And also By me growing up Listening to Miriam Makeba When she came near, I was 8 years old mm. When I was I, with my mom, they have a group of women asking for women's right to vote, to, to, to decide who they're going to marry, no more arranged marriage. And I was eight when I'd be singing re- the retreat song of Miriam Makeba with them because they're like, we can't sing. When you're front, in front, you're singing, everybody stop and listen to our message. Just keep on singing. That's all. I was sitting in front. I didn't understand nothing about what they were singing. I'm like, I'm not doing my homework. I'm here having fun. <laughs> I'm singing. That's it. I be singing. And then I start having that political conscience, actually about what you can do with music for people to to empower people first and to make people aware of what is going on because the news most of the time, what they're telling you might not be the truth. So fella, Miriam Makeba, Aretha Franklin, Dina Simone, they were the women musically that opened my eyes to a lot of things.
3: How how would American artists in the 70s... uh, trickle to uh, the culture in Africa? Like, was there an, was there a radio station that yeah. often played? Oh,
6: the radio, I mean, our radio was playing every music. I mean, it was the... I'm talking about it now, and, and then looking back, I'm like, I didn't even realize how revolutionary it was at that time before the communist regime arrived and said, no more music from outside. I mean, they would do a, tr- a traditional music program, and then right after that... They would go to Chuck Berry, or they would go to the Rolling Stones, or they go to the Beatles, or they go to uh, Amazing Grace from uh, Arista Franklin. The craziest For me, it was the norm. It was okay. It was really what it is. And those music, I was listening to them home because my brother, they have a musical band way before the mode. They started it. My father bought the instrument for them. The first time I saw a drum kit, a Farfisa organ, the bass, a guitar, percussion, it was because my father bought the instrument. They were, the boxes were in outside. In the, and I come from school, I start poking myself. I know, see when, and when they opened everything, I sat down in the rehearsal room, looking at the drum kit going, is it one person that played that or two?
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I said,
6: no one person. I said, how many arms? <laughs> how many feet?
3: Wait, how many, what, how many uh, siblings do you have in the family?
6: We have 10. Seven boys and three girls.
3: And where do you fall? Seven. You're the seventh child?
6: Yeah. And I have three brothers after me.
3: Okay, okay. So, I see now. Um, now, I don't want to sound like the ignorant American who also well, happens to be African.
6: How, let, let me tell you how um, Aretha Franklin has uh, impacted. Impacted. My life. Okay, go ahead,
3: go ahead. Save me. Thank you. <laughs> all,
6: all of those. I mean, there, there was the period of LPs, mm-hmm. and, and some LP will come with two songs. And some some will come with all the, the whole song. Mm-hmm. And what I just get my brothers, I drive them nuts. I'm like, can you get any out in this house that have some women on the cover? I'm sick and tired of seeing boys on the covers, man. Boys band in, from Kong Zaire, the trio Majesty here and this there. There are no women that does music. And my brother said, "You better stop bringing some city the L- L- LP here with women because this this little girl she's gonna break all this stuff down." <laughs> so they start bringing the French female singer. I'm like, "Yeah, okay, I take that." But is there any black women playing?
3: <laughs> right.
6: And then a friend of them come from New York, from America, and brought "Amazing Grace" of Aretha Frontier. Whoa! I was not home when the album came in. The singer of the band of my brother, his ego can't even fit here. He said, I can sing anything. I'm the best singer in the world. I'm like, I would look at him and be like, yeah, sometimes you sing of key, baby. But, I <laughs> but I'm a little guy, I can't say that, right? Right. So I came back from school and they were having that heated, heated discussion. Because my brother wanted to do some of the song of the from album.
1: Amazing Grace.
6: And the guy said, that woman singing, she crazy. <laughs> Me, I can't sing that. I'm like, huh? A woman I'm going to see that. Me, Mr. I know everything? Oh, I'm going to find out who's whooping his butt right there. And I grabbed the CD from the table. And I, from the first time I saw Aretha Franklin, I'm like, Thank you, sister. You're whooping this guy's butt. I like it. I like it. I like it so much I can't even scream up enough. And then I sat and I looked at him and said, And I said to him, and said, Don't you sing everything? He said, What you know about everything. singing? I said, I can't sing, but now you are told him my brother said, Shut up. Because my do- my brother always tells him, Come on, listen to the note. You know, Sometimes you're off. Man. And then he said, But she's a woman. What woman knows how to sing? This one is just screaming. I said, No, she ain't screaming, she's singing. And you can't. <laughs> 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 he was so mad at me that day. My brother said, he didn't come for the two <laughs> reverse of that follow He was so pissed off. I'm like. Well, you know that he can sing. I said, but you can't say everything that you think.
3: <laughs>
6: I mean, you do have filter a little bit. I said, Was he a good nope. singer? Was he okay? He was the lead singer,
3: or what? Was he okay? Was he a good singer?
6: No, he was an impersonator. That's a thing, different thing.
3: Uh-huh. Singing in it, because
6: he likes to do James Brown with the cape, with the thing, and he come up. That guy's stupid, man. I mean, they play where they play. They have red clay on the floor. He wear white, all white, oh, James no. Brown. And I'm like, one day, <laughs> I was like looking at him and said, this guy is just a fool. And he he do the what you call that the splits the split and the pango oh Ooh. no and I'm like yeah
3: oh,
6: man no. I like this <laughs> 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 I'm the Red I'm loving this baby
3: <laughs> she's like D on what's happening I, I, I feel it
6: I'm like, well that's the goal man the ego gonna take some
3: take some <laughs> beat. beating yeah uh, have you I I know how much um that that album means to you have you ever been fortunate enough to see the documentary that Sydney Stop b- making sense? No, oh. no, 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 no. The the Areth- uh, the amazing grace No, I haven't. So basically Sydney Pollack um directed had eight cameras. Wow. Uh on her at the whole time. The funniest part of that documentary is the fact that the Rolling Stones uh are the Deacons. Oh my Like the there's a scene where like Mick uh um the drummer, Charlie Watts, mm. um, Keith and uh the bass player. Um uh, oh, Ron Wood, yeah. Brian Jones? No, the, no, that's that. Mick oh, Mick uh Mick Taylor? No, uh, you know the Bill Bill Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um Yeah, they, they usher. like the, the the church is in like the hood of of South Central Los Angeles and um and then you see the the rolling stones get out of a, like a a rolls royce limousine and they're ushered and flanked in between like the deacons on the side of the choir and um it's it's i mean i saw a good 10 minutes of this um a friend of ours a friend of the show um uh matthew oh. uh has the complete movie what oh yeah
6: Okay.
1: Okay, I gotta, I got see that. <laughs> Come on.
3: Edit? I don't know. He has the complete movie, um, but for the longest, um, for some reason, uh, Aretha keeps uh, these injunctions um, from stopping it from being shown. It was supposed to be shown on its on its 40th anniversary uh, at Cannes Film Festival. But even at the very last minute, right before they were about to like press the thing, like a judge injunction came through and like prevented. I, I guess there's, she gets last rights options. So for some reason, not obviously it's money or some, you know, um, she doesn't want that footage to be seen. So, but it's the ten minutes I saw. It's some of the most life changing, mm-hmm. probably the best footage of. Any '70s act mm-hmm. I've ever seen, and this includes like watching Michael Jackson do the robot on Soul. I mean, <laughs>
6: she, she's great. That's I mean, she's the ultimate. I mean, she's she's just uh, there's no words Have ab- you met? Actually. Have you met her? Oh yeah, we did a show at Radio City Hall for Nelson Mandela's birthday, and the lineup was intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> she sang right after uh, Stevie Wonder. Oh, mm-hmm. And Alicia Keys and myself were to go red beef after Aretha. Oh. And mm. my husband was sweating, going, How are you gonna do this? I'm like, What? I'm in. She's giving me the baton and I'm taking it. We put in flame on that baton, man. We're gonna <laughs> light up the place. I was about
3: to say, you I can't even imagine, like your your show is so high powered and so I it, I, I can't imagine you being oh, yeah. stopped or
6: I am... Getting
3: st- nervous about anything.
6: I'm starstruck when she sings. I mean, because she's such a good singer. She's such a great performer. Mm-hmm. She has something that is... If it's, if it's not given to you by nature, there's no way you can be like that. You know, the people, they have it and they waste it. They don't know how to use it. She's in control of every part of her body in, the, in that voice. Every word that comes out of the mouth of Aretha, it doesn't come out because it can't come out. It just come out before it has to. It has to. So when she finishes, she goes, Hallelujah. I'm like, Hallelujah me. I'm coming, man. <laughs> and I look at Alicia. I say, Girlfriend, are you ready? She goes, Let's go kill it. And we walk on that stage and bam.
3: Wow, it inspired you.
6: I inspired us, both of us so much. We look at each other. We're singing this song differently. Because when you come after somebody like that, you don't want to shame her. You want to shine to prove to her that everything she does we admire and then we're going to continue doing it. we be the continuation of whatever she gave us to, to pass on. So that's it.
3: That's very noble because I know a lot of people would just be like, nope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to outdo you. And, and. well,
6: it's, Music is not competition for me. If you're there to do competition, if you're not there to empower people. My mother used to say a phrase to me. Mm-hmm. for years, I'm like, what did she mean? It took me years. One day I was about to go on stage in Boston at Somerville Theater. And as I was getting, because till then, even though my shows are really great and everything, I used to be a little bit stressed before I go on stage. And as I was staying on the wing of the, 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 the stage before I go on stage, I hear that voice of my mother saying, before you set a foot on the stage, you have to be able to think of yourself and be naked spiritually. I'm like, mm-hmm. And then suddenly it hits me. It hits me like, bam! I walk on that stage, no fear. My feet barely touch the ground. I'm like, I'm free. No more fear. I'm never going to be afraid of going on stage because when, what, what she means by that is that you are not on stage to look at your belly button and how beautiful your dress is or whatever you wear is. You are there to be humble at the service of of the music and the song that you are doing, to be able to open yourself to the public. The more open you are, the more you give, the more you get. And from the moment I understood that, it transformed completely my life. And what amazes me is people that come back and say, you never can see what we see when your show is over. When we are walking in the street with people, the smile they have on their face is just like you can't even put in a bottle. I don't think about it when I'm on stage. My stage is my sanctuary. My stage is my heaven on earth. And I always tell my musician, if you have an issue, check it on the garbage before you walk on that stage. It will be waiting for you. you can pick it up when you come out. But when you come on my stage, you make faces. You don't know me. I don't have to talk. I look at you, man. And you know you don't do it right. You can leave. If you don't like it, you can go. No one is indispensable, and even not me. So when we are on stage, what we do, we artists, is to play, to entertain, and at the same time, not knowing, because we don't know that. We are empowering people. And that's what we do the best. That's why music, specifically, and art in general, are the first thing that dictators, authoritarian regimes, they target. Because we, we set people free. We tell people what time it is. We give them the strength to go in the street and march, to speak out their mind, and they don't want that. Do you remember any speech of JFK? As, as smart as he is, you don't. Martin Luther King, we love him, but we remember fra-
1: phrases. Phrases,
6: phrases of his. But songs you listen to from the 60s, 70s, you can sing them. No. Isn't it true? That's it. You're right. That's the power of music right there.
0: All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state.
1: sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world.
4: Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
8: Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives women history has forgotten. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanika on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Do you remember your very first performance oh, on yeah. stage? Oh, Jesus. How long ago was I it?
6: I was six years old. Okay. My mom have a theater group. Till today, she's the only woman in West Africa that has had such a large theater group ever. And she wrote the piece. She did everything by herself. She learned how to do lighting. She does the costume, everything. It was her passion. So a little girl in the, in the theater group of my mother that sing a song that I knew before she started singing it. Mm-hmm. And I knew every part of the piece. And I would telling my mom why I'm not the one singing it. <laughs> and my mom was like, because you ain't playing the part. I said, what, is, what does it mean playing the part? She's like, can you shut up Then I finish what I'm doing? <laughs> I'm like, wait, every time you don't want to answer me, you have to shut up. But I'm going to ask the question tomorrow and the day after tomorrow, every day.
1: I see why they called you, why, when, how? Yeah. Shoot, man.
6: <laughs> oh, geez. I'm like, and then every time there's a play, I'm going to, just to piss her off, I'll be messing up with the costumes because she has nobody. So scene after scene, she will put this, I'll uh, mix them Yes. And, then
3: one,
6: and then one day the girl had malaria crisis, something like that. So I um,
3: You gave her that too, didn't you?
6: No.
3: No. <laughs> I was
6: playing I was the, the, the costume. She came and dragged me by my feet and said, come out, you want to sing now? This is your turn. Come and sing. I said, no, I ain't singing. She goes, yeah, you singing. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> yes, you're singing. She put the dress on me and I swear, she shoved me in that stage. She shoved me literally on the light. Just, <laughs> for the first time, I realized I have a skeleton. <laughs> like, no, no I can't gonna do this. She was looking at me like this in the wings, you want to play the part? Mm-hmm. Thank God for me, there only one light in that theater. The spotlight was right on my face, I can't see nobody. Mm. People know, in my, in my house, I'm the clown too, I always making jokes, cracking up jokes, and people start laughing, I'm like, oh, they ain't seeing me, I can do my thing as I do. And I sing, and I start singing... O hun di sange, o beto mejo me weke ye yunga la guto, o mize hundiye watay, achun sok bedodin, huna gbele weya gunta gunta gandle mi, o mi maja falao, chun yolo nito to we juju, unche yolo we, bolo ganito to we ro, chun yolo nito to we, yolo de lo, o huzubenu achun ye mi na yolo we konye, o mi. <laughs> and I, I finish, I just <laughs> <laughs> Ran up stage And my mom was like this I said, mom, how did it go? She just shake her head I'm like, come on, take this shit off me And I took it Who we'll tie back to the
3: costume Wait, you didn't wait to see if the audience applauded? Or... in a
6: version, I was gone My mom come back, I said, I'm going back there <laughs> I don't want to go back there
3: So I have to ask, you said that most of the that was in 6-8, what you were clapping. Yeah. So was that typical of the
1: rhythms?
6: That's typical of the rhythm from my village.
1: But also that's like a backwards clave, like a backwards rumba clave that's in 6-8. It depends on how you hear it. Yeah. Because that's the other thing. It's like the you're thinking about it. Like where is your one line, what she was just singing? Can you sing it again?
6: Where's one? One, two, three, four, five, six,
1: one? So where's your one? Four. Five, not there. One, two, three. No, no, it's not there. That's the whole thing. It's like it's, it's like there. the perception of where one is is a completely different thing and that you have to completely abandon all of that. Oh, so she could easily join the roots, because nobody <laughs> oh, knows. Oh yeah, the fucking one I mean she could easily join the roots, period. But like but like that's yeah.
3: abandon the one. <laughs> A band with no one. Yeah, I mean the thing. The <laughs> thing
6: that he's right about that because uh, my husband and I we've been working together forever. We married for twenty thirty one years, and mm-hmm. the first time we met, he knew nothing about African music, nothing at all. He just listened to Van der Graaf or whatever he he tried to. I'm like, your music, no. If you are not date me this time, kind of music don't be playing that shit for me. I want something else. So I started in, in 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 teaching him. Traditional music, and when he started listening to it, it transformed completely his life. And when we went to Benin in 1995, I always tell him, Forget to count, don't count. Huh? If you go to Africa, you count, you're your out of the door.
1: It's like it's part of the body, don't it's count. It's feeling, yeah, it's
3: like it, it's, it's not. so. It's when you do it, <laughs>
1: you're thinking like a drummer right now, so yeah. bad. You can't,
3: no,
6: you can't, just play, just play. <laughs> It I mean, just doesn't but
1: matter. Math, <laughs> but math, math and fun.
6: sciences. Yeah, well, math and is Wait, you know what? The drums and the music in Africa, they are coded. They are cycled all the time. Like you're playing, somebody's playing the clave. The person stand up and go pee. Somebody coming in glack there because he knows where his body is. I mean, it's such you got to feel it in your body. And that's why when I'm dancing, I can't be dancing 6, 8 and doing any rhythm on, on top of it. Because the one I don't count, it's just my body that I follow. So, I mean, when we start doing this field trip, recording songs and music everywhere, that's when he realized exactly what I was saying. Versus a village, in my village where I come from, the village where my father come from, is the village where you have the gate of no return. It's the memorial that had been built by the President Soglo that no one wants, especially not the French wanted, because he said, we cannot be in denial of this this country's past. Slavery have happened here, and we have no memorial for it. And we need to build a place for that. And not far from the the the, the, the beach where they take the slave, where you have the gate of no return, we have a a village that belongs to us that is called Azizaque. Mm-hmm. And you only can get there that, that by boat, little boats, because it's 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 a between mangroves and, and swamps. And you have a kind of island that that village is. And in that village, one of the rhythm of my family is made of, um, how can I explain this? I would say a symphony of cowbell. You have cowbell that are high like this. Mm-hmm. You have big one all the way to the small one. And they are like that, big sound, playing, right? Yeah. And you have two drums in the middle of it. Okay, I can.
3: I'm I, visualizing this. Yeah, you're
6: I'm, visualizing. I have the sound of it in the in, in the computer, and you look at the Pro Tools. It's, it's the craziest thing ever? Everybody's sharp on timing. It's crazy. The wave are like, he go woo, and then I tell him, "Not tell you don't count." He said, "How do they do that?" I say,
3: "No, no, no." <laughs> so you're saying without counting, they're somehow in sync with each other.
6: Because we live together, we breathe that. We were born in it. It's like, for example, I'll give you an example. Another example. In the northern part of Benin, where the rhythm is completely different from the southern part, okay? There's a a rhythm that is called teke.
3: All right, right? what's teke?
6: Teke is a rhythm, okay? And it's played by two drums in the front and stick long like that. Mm -hmm. There can be 80 of them singing and dancing. And when the rhythm speeded up, right they go they dance and they are dancing they're not looking at each other and they all come in they clack they, they all the stick come together you have one sound no fly
1: bill do you want a comparison i think what it is it's like everything is by feel in the same way what you're known for is like when you play with d and like you're never on the beat right these is he's always behind the beat and it's a feeling that you feel that you're famous for that this is your shit. right you're on the back side of the beat it's a feeling so is this. It's exactly the same thing. It's just like you're born and you're born into your father was a drummer. Whatever are you saying for. I can't make. You could try to, mathematical sense of this. You could try to, and people have done it. Like like scholars who go to Africa to study yeah. the music, they're like, "This I'm is." Saying, it's has actually... Alan Lomax
3: been around the villages, like recording? <laughs> yeah, but the stuff thing and... is, you
6: studied that and you write it down when you played. It, it's not the same, right? And when they would look Never. at it, they'd be like,
1: "Who that? What the hell is that?" It's like it's like twelve eight versus six eight because that's the thing. It's like she's saying it's it's six eight, but it's yeah, like twelve. I couldn't read it, but in my head, and now I'm trying to figure when she said that. I was like, I wonder if
3: only because I've spent meticulous amounts of time like decades Mm -hmm. of having this inner clock in my head when I'm drumming Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I can drum without the
1: the inner monologue of you You can but the other thing that you're not getting is that and you you (laughs) should comment on this is that is that often it's tied to the dance and so like more often than not the drumming is tied to the dance so where they are stressing certain beats is where they feel it, so it doesn't have anything to do so with the, the music per are... se. Yeah, the accents a lot of the times come from. the But the thing dance. is, is when valid? we
6: start playing, for example, it's let me set it for. Roughly. We all, from some reason, it's always a circle. And I never understand why it is, but that's the way it is, right? Only in the north that you have lines like that, But people stand like that. Mm-hmm. The teke is one, sensenu is another one. Sensenu is something they put on the feet all the way up here, and then they do the rhythm and it's, now, it's like that, all of them, and it's one sound, okay? So here it is. When you are in Africa and in the middle of these things, you, have been, you haven't been taught to think about counting. It's just you, you, you breathe it. It's, you're born in it, and you don't ask the question at all. So for me, since I've been a little girl, I have been always exposed to that rhythm. So this is how we start. We come together. We start playing. You have the cowbell. You have the drums. You have people that clap. You have people that sing. So you start playing. And then you have the dancer coming in and then he You, The drummer, the principal drummer, he takes his... His cue from the feet of the guy when he starts going to it, it's changed immediately it's the same rhythm, but it's completely bring some brought somewhere because the guy he can decide to dance slowly in that he can decide go, everything changes.
3: Wow, some people were born with it, and maybe it's maybe it's that's fascinating.
1: It That's is fascinating. fascinating. Yo, know, yeah. my
3: mind is, yo, dude. So, so I, I, said, I, knew, I knew I was going to learn something, but damn, I didn't. You got to come to me. I Bini. think I got to smoke weed. <laughs> no, no, no. You
6: got to come to me. I smoked Bini. a lot of weed. Well, I'm just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> like, when I, when I, I, I was think,
3: in this shit, yeah.
5: I think, I think when you
3: have a lot of thoughts in your head and, you know, being the sober guy that I am, like, I'm almost thinking that I have to clear, like, even if I wanted to clear my mind, like there's no amount of meditation that will ever not make me think one e and the two e and a three e and a four e <laughs> yeah, e and a one e and the e e e, e e. e, yeah. So it's, it's it's okay. So that's ca- what
6: it, the music is about?
1: Is is counting, overthinking it or underthinking it or or constricting? I think it, the lesson you know? I'm
3: learning now is that counting is overthinking it. But that's like, just
1: how you were taught, how you were born. Like that's what you came up in, and her she's saying that hers is completely different. Right. It's the, it's
3: and the, what you
6: count in, I can do it too. Without any problem. Why? I don't read music. And I can play with classical orchestra. I mean, I, I did a piece. I wrote a piece with Philip Glass. Based mm-hmm. on three poems that I gave to him. Uh, the mythology of the creation of the world according to Yoruba. So the first piece is uh, Olodumare. The second one is Yemanja. And the third one is Ushumari. And knowing Philip Glass, he changes from 5.4 to 5.6. And then and then you sing it. So, I memorize it. I memorize the whole thing. You, in my dream, you wake me up, I go straight for it. <laughs> because you, you develop that memorization in the womb of your mom. You remember songs that you never even know that it has been played because you have heard it. So, for me, I memorize, memorize everything. Everything that has to be memorized is in my head. All the music I listen to. For example, when American music starts coming to my house, I don't speak in English. Though. I mean, I was speaking, I mean, pidgin from Nigeria. I mean, proper English. I mean, I don't know what that is.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: But I make up my own words and it fits perfectly. <laughs> That's how I start. In, when I create songs, I create words like Batonga is a word that doesn't exist in my language. Wombo-wombo doesn't exist. I just come up with that because it it, describes, it feels right. It feels right. And it describes something that I've seen that I can't put any word in it because the word doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I'm inspired, there's no limit. I don't care if it works or not, I just put it there. So for I grew up in such a rhythmic surrounding mm-hmm. the language phone is the language of the Amazon. It's it has no it's like somebody's just hitting you. Yoruba is like, no the phone. Uh uh-uh. that's what I sing before. All that kind of stuff. So you gotta be so tight. I have perfect rhythm, and you move me. I look at you like hey, I am moving from here because I know it's right. Because <laughs> so, that's what it is.
3: So, is westernized basic four four rhythm sort of looked down upon in
6: the four four? You have it.
3: In everything,
6: the 6-8, you have the 4-4. Four, four. But the I just
3: meant something like, okay, so when Billie Jean first comes across the pond as a song, and I know it's hard to separate the, the presence and the artist that is Michael Jackson separate from the song, but is that seen as something that's just basic? Boom, cap, boom, cap, boom, cap. Cap. Boom,
6: boom, boom, boom. The, yep, saying, you, know, it, you, know, you know what, though? It's not the boom, ka, boom, ka, boom, ka that's, that appear, appeal to the African people.
3: It's the space in between? No, no. it's the bass.
6: The bass always sings. You're never going to hear any music in Africa where the bass going boom, boom, boom. People are gonna go, What the hell is wrong with you? Joe was saying, man, sing that, make that bass sing. And it, the, the thing that is really interesting to me, I never realized that till I started writing music with my husband. And one of the, 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 the bass line because I can't play the bass, but I can sing it for you. And I can't play the drums, but I can sing it for you. So that's how I write my song. So there is a song that we wrote on the album IA that had been produced by David Z in mm-hmm. Pesley Park. And it's called manja. And he go, What is that bass line? I said, if you start counting one, two, three, you won't. You're not gonna get it. <laughs> so he was the one playing it. So I come up as I was singing the song. Ojo fe 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 ojo, komale mi lo Ojo fe 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 ojo, komale mi lo Ojo fe 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 ojo, komale mi lo Ojo fe 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 ojo, mi lo Ojo fe 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 ojo, the bass go, the bass go. Don 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 don. The bass is always giving the cue to the percussion and the drums. The first go da 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 Don 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 I change it all the time to fold. So it never
3: goes in a it never goes in a loop circle. No. Uh-huh. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> Old Davis, Z found his, met his match, huh? <laughs>
6: and it was fun because the, I have fun. I got to be able to dance. I always said, on stage if you remove the keyboard and you remove the guitar, you leave me the percussion and the drums, I'm cool.
3: That's, hey, drums and bass are the key to life.
0: All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state.
1: sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world
4: listen to creating a con the story of bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
7: imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions i'm mini driver
3: So why did you move you moved to Paris in the early 80s? Mm-hmm. What what caused your uh
6: Well, I moved to Paris in 1983 because of the communism dictatorship in Benin. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh
6: in the 70s when they arrived, my home becomes an open jail. The freedom of speech was mm-hmm. gone okay. because you can't speak, everybody's spying on you. Uh my father has been asked to do politics. They say I don't do politics. I'm a retired from post. I'm a postman. I don't want to sleep with blood on my hand. Please. I don't do politics. So, therefore, it created the, the a surrounding of paranoia. The phone, were tapped or not. The thing is, brothers, family has started eating at each other. Mm. And you find yourself in jail. I mean, because... Basically, they tell you, your father has to be called comrade. Your mom has to be called comrade. Everybody has to become comrade. You see anybody on the street, you say, hey, comrade. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and me, I've been told by, told by my father that I can never bring my, my music to be associated with the political party because they come and they go. I have to be neutral. All I have to do is just be the voice of the voiceless. And every artist in Benin at that time, all of us, have been elegantly urged, if it's possible to put it like that, to write propaganda song, which I refused to do. So it coincided with the release of my first album, Pretty. So I was touring in West Africa, Cameroon, Ivory Coast, all different places. I was always able to dodge the political gathering where you have to you have you have to sing to. And then one day I was Stranding Benin and have to do it. And after that, I just said to my my parents saw me through it. My father and mother said, you got to go. Because they know I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to finish my life in jail for sure. So it took them one year to plan my escape. And we were waiting for an occasion that will coincide with that. And one of my cousins was getting married and she lived close to the airport. So my mom and dad has been made the witness of the couple.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: And that was the, our, our, our reason to, to, to plan this. So everybody knew about it in the, village, in the, in the street where I grew up. Because everybody's spying. Our house was already a movie theater. Because people from every kind, of walk of life would come to the house. White, black, yellow, blue, whatever color you are, you come to the house. So we were sus- we were always, it was so suspicious before the, the, the military regime arrived. So the day of the wedding, we went to the, the, the city hall marriage, went to the church, and then the evening was the moment where my father put the car in the house. I put my, my evening dress, and in the plastic bag, I put my traveling co- co- uh, clothes. He put the, the suitcase in it, and everybody saw us going to the party. So, my flight—the flight that I took to leave—is still, leave, still leave from Cotonou Par- to Paris, eleven fifty-five. Still, still, the, the flight still exists. And what happened when the the, the, the military regime started? The military coup was was perpetrated by military that come from north northern part. So the division comes into the politics. So in every powerful position. They put the southerner and and northerner. So they spy on each other. So I walk, my father dropped me far. So I checked my luggage. And then I have to go through customs. And I was praying (laughs) because there I can, I'll end up in jail because before you leave the country, you need the authorization of the the government. And you say to them, when, what are you going to do? Where are you going? How long are you going to be going? And when are you coming back? You don't come back, your parents are the one that they put it, they put in jail.
3: Oh, word. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Oh, man.
6: So I didn't have that paper in my passport. So I walked to the custom, and I saw one of the friends of my brother they used to do music with. He saw me. He almost had a heart attack. He goes, what are you trying to do? You have the authority. I said, no. He goes, "My, you, one second, you'll have the guy here. He just stepped to the toilet, run, disappear just disappear. I didn't see you. I don't want to see what, just go. And I ran. I ran so I never run that fast in my life. And I walk into that plane and dive under the seat and crawl down there till the plane take off. And pretty much before we land, I came came out. I was so scared that the the police was still there looking for me.
3: Even in Paris, you thought that Uh, you weren't safe yet?
6: Until I get off and I see my brother, I was not safe yet. And I walk out. It was September 11, 1983. Whoa. And I saw my brother, my brother said, you made it. But for six years straight, I couldn't speak to my parents. Mm. Because we didn't know, nor my brother and my, my parents, if the phone was tapped. So my brother, he left from Togo. So they didn't have anything on him. They didn't know when he was. And then they have a code to speak about this or about that. So I arrived in Paris, and um, I decided that if I want to do music, I want to learn to know. My father told me, whatever you choose, if you become a human rights lawyer or you become a singer, whatever it is, go to school and learn to know your capacity, your strength, and your your weakness to be a better, better person at what you do. So... I started going to music school, and I spent a trimester at the university to learn a little bit about law. And I realized at that point that law doesn't serve justice. And if you want to be a human rights politi- uh, lawyer, you have to study politics. I'm like, it's too much for me. I don't want to go there. I'm just going to focus on singing. And my first year in France, oh, my God, I cried every day. People were so racist. I'm like crazy, man. And, and, and I was, for the first time, I take vocal class because you no, know, I never had any vocal teacher. And the teacher was like, I come from the classical school of Italy. So you're gonna I'm like, whatever. As long as I I, I know how to do scales, I'm starting mm-hmm. And that's when people start telling me all those crazy stuff. There come one day, some two or three of them, the same guys, those stupid guys, <laughs> they come and say, So Angelique, tell us, how do you go do your groceries? How do you go to the market there? You have cars? Oh, you go on the back of elephants. I say, yes. And then the wings of the monkeys, too. <laughs> I'm not oh, either.
3: everyone's thought of Africa yeah. being... Yeah,
6: 1983. I'm not just crazy. And sometimes the teacher, the vocal teacher, will play some Offenbach, singing all those stuff. And then one day she said, okay, I want you to listen to this song and tell me what you think. So she played Ravel Bolero. And when it's finished, I said, this is African, man. <laughs> uh, and Oh, what did I say? I'm <laughs> like, Okay. And I shut up. I didn't say anything anymore. That's why I did my version of Bolero Ravel Bolero. I put lyrics on it. And I'm like, hit this. I just I settled my, my issue later on. I'm right. like, yeah, I'm going to stay there. You got I'm gonna the last stay. word. Oh, you always got the last word. <laughs> <laughs> and in the same period, uh we go sometime. I, I make some friend, a good friend that you always used to say to me, they're stupid, man. They live on another world. Just leave them alone. It's not because their parents have money. They think that they're entitled to say everything they want. I say, do I care? They don't pay my rent. I don't care. So, we went to a party and then at that party I heard Once in a Lifetime.
3: Oh, Talking talking Heads. heads. And I was like,
6: "Mm, this is African. (laughs) (sing) (sing) ( kırk) (coughs) 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 Na, 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 na. No, 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 no. no." It's uh, so African. Melody is ridiculous. Yeah. So, i like, hmm, I like this. This is African. And they say, say, actually, don't say this in front of other people. And then, People say, yeah, but, well, Africans, you know, you're not sophisticated enough to understand all of these things. You can't do this. And I say, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> you're stopping me from saying what I think to say. So that's how my life started in, in, in Europe. And I was lucky to work with a piano player called Jasper Vantov. That guy is the crazy dude. One man, independence, he have in both hands. He can play something completely crazy here. Be playing this. He had a song. He goes, on the left hand, he goes. Oh, doing multiple Oh,
1: yeah. You're
6: going to kill me. That just hurt
1: my brain trying to even think. Yeah.
6: It's just that crazy. And that for him, from him, because he did an album with Archie Shep called Mama Rose. And... He comes from that world of, I mean, free jazz. And he went to Africa with a guitar player from um, uh, uh, Belgium called Philip Catherine. He came back, he said, the first time we met, he said, I have to apologize to you. We white people didn't create
3: nothing. <laughs>
6: <laughs> we just steal from all you from Africa, man.
3: <laughs> That's what I hear.
6: I'm like, oh, really? Okay. I said, he said, man, please teach me some of your stuff. I want to make music. I can't live my life doing being a free jazz musician anymore. <laughs> so we started to a uh, Pili Pili was the the name of the, the 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 band, and we I wrote a lot of songs with them, and we toured. Oh, tour.
3: Pili Pili, okay. Pili Pili, yeah.
6: So after that, you know, I start making money to pay my um my tuition, but I have to go do hair, I have to clean hotel room, I have to do babysitting, all the things that I. And I was a big star when I left my country. But me, it doesn't mean nothing to me. I knew that I had to do something. I have to start from scratch. So you had to
3: start all over again.
6: Yeah, because I'm like, now I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm an adult for real. Mom is no longer there. I got to pay my rent. I got to pay my food. I got to pay my transportation. I got everything. And I like the responsibility that it, it bestowed upon me to do that. And one of the things that was really important for me to bring up here is that my mom and dad, before I left, I knew they were worried. And I know my parents. They won't tell you why they're worried. Mm-hmm. And I went to them to one or two days before I, I left. I said, Mom and Dad, what is this going on? What is it? And they said, we just worry that in France, you, if it's too hard for you, you maybe tempted, tempted to go for prostitution or take drug or deal drug. I said, I will clean a floor for $1 a day for how long it takes before I come back home. Oh, and doing that. So, so for me, mm-hmm. doing music was the thing that really... Keep me together. And after that, I went to jazz school. And I started learning jazz. For me, jazz was before, when I was listening, I was Mahalia Jackson I was listening to because my mom, my dad loved Mahalia Jackson, loved um, Sidney Bechet. My mom used to play clarinet. And all those things for me was jazz, but real knowing more, I become just a junkie of music. Mm -hmm. And and it's just because for so many years, None of, no music came. I mean, the talking heads never made it to Benin. It was crazy. I mean, I, I, lo- I missed out so much that I started just kind of hurrying hurry up to, to, <laughs> to catch up with all the music. Just taking in everything I just, I'm taking everything in. And then I get to the jazz school the first day to, to, to register. And as I was walking the stairs to go to the office of admission, the admission office, there were one brunette and one blonde girl, and I met them halfway because it was an old building with corners. You never know if you're going left or right. Mm-hmm. So I asked them, "Where is the admissions uh, office? And they go, why? I said, because I have to go register. And they said, you African? I said, yes. And they look at me and say, what are you doing here? Jazz is not made for African people. I'm like, okay, don't worry. I just walked up. Really? And I do, my, yeah. And the founder of the school listened to it. and He didn't say anything. I finished reg- the, the, my registration and pay. And then he came to me and said, Don't listen to them. That is ignorant speaking. Every school and year end, we do music here. I will help you put a song together and I know you can do it. And at the end of that year, they all pick. And I Ella out. And they just pick up this all the songs. Like, okay, just got him. Just go ahead. And I came with George Benson, this masquerade. <laughs> and I nailed them on the wall.
3: Nice. <laughs> nice. Wait, besides the overt cultural racism, uh, what were the other uh, cultural differences as far as that you faced for the first time when you got to... Paris that you weren't used to the
6: indifference of people indifference completely
3: people, people weren't are, friendly people, people weren't are
6: indifferent completely I mean when I get out of my um, my building my house my apartment you cross your neighbors on stairs you say good morning everybody just go like like you, ju- you just have a gun. You're gonna shoot them there. I'm like, mm. just say. Good. Then how you make
3: it out in Brooklyn, right? <laughs>
6: yeah. Oh, Brooklyn, we say hi to each other. I tell you, man, in Man street we all are polite. We know each other. Come on, okay. it's like a village, man. Works. Okay. Yeah. But no, but you got there's a difference. There's a profound difference here in America. When you make eye contact with people, there's a nod, or there's a can't can't recognition somehow. You know, in France, it's just like. You can be transparent. Nobody cares. And it, every way she performed, I mean, one thing that really, really struck me to the point where I just, like, how am I going to live in this country? I was in the subway going to school, and there is, at one station, a girl walked into the, the station, and she's just sobbing so much she barely could sit. So I stood up and gave her my seat, and she was crying, and I was there. Mm. And it was well, looking at her, turning the head. And I'm like, there's something profoundly wrong with this crying. It's not like crying for
3: a regular for, cry. Uh,
6: crying. It's, there's something bad about this. So when she came out of the, 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 the subway, she was tumbling. So I get out. It was not my station. I get out and grab her because she was going to fall on the, on, on the tracks. Oh. So I brought her to sit. Mm-hmm. And I gave her my handkerchief. And I sit there and said, I hold her hand. She was shaking so much. And I said, what's going on? Can I help you? She couldn't speak, but I stayed there, and I missed my class. But I was not going to let her there because I didn't know what was going on. And finally, she said to me that she's orphans of her, both of her parents. The only person she still has alive was her brother, and he just got into accident, and he's very critical in the hospital. Mm. And I said, let me take you to the hospital. She said, but I can't stay alone. I said, I'll stay with you. So I have to find a way to call my brother because I was living with my brother. I could not live without him knowing where I was. So when we get to the hospital, I said, this is what happened, and this is where I am. And then he said, if it's too late, tell me, I'll come and get you. The brother make it, uh, and he was feeling better when I left her. And I said, you want to come to my house? I, you can stay with me. And she looked at me and said, no one do that here. I said, yes, but where are you going to go? You don't have the key? Your brother was the one that had the key. And then I said, let's go ask the nurse if, if in his stuff there are keys. So we find the keys. I, I accompany her to where she was going and I tell my brother where I was. He had a car at that time. He said, now it's past 10 p.m. I'm gonna come and pick you up. And then, and for me, it was just something that really, no one just cares. And that's why my first album that I, 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 I released in France when I was signed by uh, uh, Island Record, I call it uh, Tortoise Logozo, and with the free signs: see no evil, talk no evil, hear no evil. For me, it represents so much this Western society that call itself civilized, developed, yet we have lost the ability. To reach out a helping hand to somebody that is in need because we are just so swamped in survival mode. We don't leave, we survive. And we have everything. People that are poor in Africa, they leave. They have one; they can have one meal a day, they will laugh. We are resilient. And that's one thing that no one can take from, from us. No one.
3: They can't. There's no way they can take it. Good. Oh no, it's just I was just agreeing. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) pfft. (laughs) You were like, huh? Okay. okay. Um, How did you you come across meeting uh, Chris Blackwell?
6: Well, that's that's an interesting story. The founder of the jazz school where I was had a label called Open. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. and he produced only jazz, right? And then he said to me, he came one day and see one of my shows. We had a band together with my husband and some friends and I was doing my own music and he said, man, I love the way you sing. I want to produce your album. So he produced the album once. By the time we finished, it was broke. So he said, okay, I'm printing 500 copies of CDs. I give you 200 and sell 300 and that's it. With the 200, I sent it to um, record labels. I Every record people that exists in France have my CD, um, promoters, and um, I start playing at the New Morning Club. And I gave one of my, my CDs to a guy from um, Mali called Mamadou Conte. He's the one that founded the festival Africa Fed. Fest. Okay. And he was the Yusun Duo's manager at that time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he, without telling me anything, send the CD to Chris Blackwell. So here I am playing a show at the Newman, New Morning Club in Paris, and you do two sets. I finished the first set, the owner, Madame Farry, and all the team of uh, the, the club, everybody had just been hijacked. When I walk out the stage, they are very important people waiting for you in your dressing room. I say, oh, really? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> More important than God? <laughs> All right, let's go see. So I walk in. You have the ANR from uh, UK, uh, Ireland, mm-hmm. and you have the head of Ireland, France, and they introduce themselves to me and say, "We really want to work with you. We want to sign you." And I'm like, "This dude from France, I send them ticket to my shows. I send them everything. Nobody replied. We coming? We're not coming. It's just like Pfft. now. You want to work with me?" You know me, man, How I ask questions? I say I want to know what I was going on here, baby. Help. I wanna want to why. I want to help. No, come on, I want. So walk.
3: you didn't trust the situation at all.
6: Yeah, and really? then I get and I get my hand on the facts that Chris Blackwell sent. And say you better sign this girl before somebody do. If somebody signed her before, you guys are losing your job. I'm like, yeah, baby. I'm like, no, I like this. I
3: like this.
1: All the powers in your were hands. You, were
3: you excited because of the the lineage that that he had? As far as I the, didn't even
6: know who he was.
3: Oh, you didn't know what I a, didn't you know. didn't know what a Chris Blackwell no, was. No, I just
6: know the label Island. I didn't know who he was until. Um, the signature, the day we're going to sign, I was kind of reluctant because I never signed any contract because signing a contract for me in my culture is a handshake. So what am I signing a paper for? (laughs) I was just like, what the hell? And I was just worried that uh, signing such a big record company, I might lose my identity, my cultural identity, that I I I'll be doing music that I don't like. And so Chris Blackwell came. Before we sign, and said, mm-hmm. I'm really happy to have you in the family. If you have any resistance, if you have any doubt, this is the moment to talk to me about it. And I just say, I just want to keep my artistical freedom and do the music that I love to do. And he said, that's no question about it. You do a sell. Just sign it, put it in. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And for my, the first 10 years of my career, I have the privilege of having Chris Blackwell as my artistical director. That guy have an ear. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! He goes on the sixteen bar. Your snare is too loud. I'm like, <laughs> for real. <laughs> and you listen back, you know, yeah. mm, 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 it's out of place. No, not good. And every time I do a demo and I send it to him, it's like he's in a candy store because I always do my demo so well because you. You, you have to think about something. Mm-hmm. It might be hanging out somewhere and somebody might put his hand on it. You don't know who listened to what. It gotta be clean, man. It gotta be perfect. Even if a producer have to put his hand on it, he got something good to work with. Like with, when I did this project, Remaining Light, that I'm doing now, mm-hmm. the demo, the voice of the demo are the final voice on the album. Hmm. Not bad. My backing singings, all is in there.
1: All from the demo? Oh, yeah. Wow.
6: Percussion from being all in there. And I add some more percussion. Everything about this album start with a percussion. The drum follows Charles Haynes followed the percussion player when we were doing once in a lifetime. We do call and response with the drum. Bam! And then he ask, I mean, when he played, he start playing with the percussion player. I was sitting down like in the studio and LA early going. <laughs> These are my brothers, man. This dude, I killing this stuff right there. <laughs> Nobody else can play like that. And, anyway, and I'll just, I just raised myself. Angelique, don't be racist in all, all the other way. Just shut up. <laughs> 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 just shut
0: up. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
4: My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con The Story of BitCon. Over this nine part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trepani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme.
8: From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again you work
3: with so many musicians and so many different producers. Um, what What are the highlights of your, your working relationships? Like, I know that you did a project with Tony Viscani. Tony Ooh, was uh, one of uh, the kind,
6: though. Tony was... <laughs> well, because I told him point blank, I don't like studio.
3: Huh? I don't yeah, like being in a studio at all. I was about to say, the first time you... You always tell me you don't like the studio. I hate the studio. But why? But it's, it's where the magic happens so that yeah, you can I know do that. on stage.
6: They don't have the freaking daylight. I'm like, if it's <laughs> rain, it's snow, something happened. I don't know. Right. And if there's no public to sing to, I'm not, why should I sing to a wall? Well,
3: in that case, what was it like working at Paisley Park? Because you did your oh, whole album. Rap. <laughs> yeah. It was what was ah. like your your snow in Minnesota. Oh
6: shoot, man! My daughter was ten days old when we oh. start doing it. I just what? because that album had been produced by two different producers. um, uh, Wilmore from Soul to Soul in London, mm-hmm. and and David, David Z. Z. So I was between both. Wow. I'll grab my child and go do this and go back. I love Pestley Park. It was the time of uh, Revolution, the Michael, the drummer. Michael
3: B. Uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Power Generation. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. got
6: so much fun, man. <laughs> We'd be talking about music when Prince was not there. We are like, come on, come on, let's let's jump. Up. I'm like, yeah, come on. It, it was fun, Pestley Park. And then the funny thing is, you see, Sting comes in and you have Prince here. Sting is just like regular Prince. is all make up. The, <laughs> the, the, I mean, the crease of the pen is now. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. And you look and see two monsters of music here. Completely different world. <laughs> and I like that. That's what music brings me to. I mean, what is important for me when I'm doing an album is that the producer becomes also, also, also part of the music. It's not just pushing buttons. And if you have any idea... I come from a culture where we do things together. And and my father always used to say to to me that's the reason why he he encouraged me to play soccer. He said you play soccer and everybody works together for one goal. You have to learn to do that to have people around you that even if you don't think the same, you have the same aesthetics, you have you have the same goal to achieve and then you are stronger because you bounce off each other and Two, three brands together is powerful. It's, it's more powerful than any atomic bomb. And that's how I like to do my work. And I remember the first time he played on my album was in Quad. You remember? Yeah, Quad, quad yeah. Studio. when I was doing the cover of Voodoo Chai. Right. And I hate we, that. We call
3: it Tupac Central. That's yeah. you? Yeah, oh, that's that, me. Oh, I don't know. I'm kind of everywhere. You know, the, I, there's a rumor going on. But
6: around. the thing is, I didn't like it. I didn't like that process because I didn't come to meet everybody. Mm. And after that, I'm like, the next album is everybody in the studio. Otherwise, forget you. At the same time, right. And that's what we did for Black Ivory Soul. The Black Ivory Soul album we recorded, it was the funniest thing ever. Out of this world, here comes Amir. The best player come from French West Indies. Mm -hmm. The percussion player have never been to America we did all the paper for him to come from Salvador de Bahia. He does not speak a word of English. Go listen to that album, Rhythm Section. Oh boy, it is tight or what?
1: It was tight.
6: I'm telling you. We he didn't was,
3: speak a word to each other, it, just it was said, tight. I'm
6: not, you don't need to speak the same language to do music. And it's the only form of art.
3: But that I was alike. counting. No, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing.
6: <laughs> uh, I mean, I remember, I remember, I uh, um yeah, yeah the song I cover a song of uh, Gilberto Gilles. Mm-hmm. And then oh Jesus. I'm, I'm still listening to it. And then Amigo, what? Two. And the guitar go and he just he sits everybody down, say, okay, this is where it is. <laughs> and you have the bass player. He was so happy when he left it. I wish all the drummers that like have me at me. I say, hey, 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 oh, don't be messing up with count me it. right now.
1: I can count. <laughs> yeah. So many numbers, so much math. Now, now I wish i redid my roll call uh, <laughs> verse. Angelique, how do you pick your covers? Because you're known for a lot, of, like Voodoo Child and the other ones, you're known for a lot of your covers. How do you pick them?
6: Well, the Voodoo Child one started, I mean, I've known Jimi Hendrix since in. But then I came to Paris and we had a friend called, um, uh, he's a specialist of, uh, he knows Jimi Hendrix more than any American. Yazid Manu. He's from Benin. There's nothing. I'm telling you sitting down here, you want to try him next time? I tell him when he comes, come and speak to you. There's nothing you will say about Jimi Hendrix that he doesn't know, ever. Really? I swear to you, he got everything. This is this is this this guy is crazy. I mean, he's he loves Jimi Hendrix so much. I'm like, he's not even your brother, dude. <laughs> Come on. And we were listening. I was telling him how I discovered the music of Jimi Hendrix. And he said, I have some news for you. He stopped playing me all the stuff that I missed because of this stupid communist regime in my country. That I couldn't listen to all those stuff. And then he puts Voodoo channel on. I'm like, oh. This is my song right there. I'm doing a cover of it. And he looked at me like, really? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? Really? He said, well, let's see. I'm like, oh, don't dare me. You don't know me. Do, don't do this. It's not good for you. It take me it can take me 10 years. I'm going to do this cover. It take me six years. I woke up one morning and I start singing the guitar in my head with words. Mm-hmm. Because I said, "Jimmy Hendrix can't play this guitar. I'm also saying it, damn it! I don't want anybody else, but Jimmy Hendrix to do it. He can't do it. I'm singing it, so that's what I did. I go, I'm on Michael Jackson for doing, we are. I'm on Michael Jackson for doing, I'm on. I'm on Michael for doing, I'm on Michael Jackson for doing. I mean. And well, that to
3: you is a Benin yeah, uh, spirit?
6: It's, it's it's the Amazon in What me- other
3: American songs? Because, you know, we're lost in America. I don't mean, know. I was Benin until five months ago. Yeah. So I'm just saying that what other songs do you hear in American culture that you feel in your heart?
6: There are so many of them. I just sing on it. They have to be. The, I mean, for example, when I was doing the the Listening win on the album of um, the, the, the Talking Heads, the, the Remaining Light The Remaining record. Light. I sang, and Ezra sang that song with me. And that song is a song that is really profound. Mm-hmm. It goes... I'm a no sakwetong, Boli to sabogwe. I'm a wabode no sakwetong, To la sabogwe. O miwae, o miwae, O miwae, o miwae, o I ye, a, o, o, o. Yeah, yeah, to It said,
1: "You make that look so effortless." Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, yeah. it's effortless because I've seen
6: it my whole life. Um, you can't cast a spell; you can't stop. When a hunter goes out to hunt, he's the one telling the story. But when you shoot at the black panther and you miss, the story is different. Because that spell you cast before you try shooting him, he can come back and get you. And then who's telling the story now?
1: The Panther. <laughs> there it is. Black Panther theme song.
3: <laughs> there it is. Um, I, th- I do want to ask you about Remain in Light. Uh, how how long has this been a passion project? I mean, I, I'm assuming that for you to cover an entire album. It has to be a passion project. So, it is. what? First of all, did you know the history of David Burns' obsession with Nigerian music? And I didn't know. You until didn't know I st- anything I about. Didn't,
6: I didn't know all that till I started working on it. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, when I started working on it, I went out and find out.
3: <laughs> oh, really?
6: I started listening to the song first because the song have to speak to me before I get dive into it. To, because I don't want to know anything about it, then it, can, it, it, it would impact my inspiration. So as, as I was, we were working on it, um, I had so many traditional songs that had been sung to me by women uh, when I was do- Beninese women and Kenyan women when I was doing my album Eve, mm-hmm. and that album that I dedicated to the resilience and the beauty of the African women that won the Grammy,
5: mm-hmm.
6: it was not only songs that I come back with, life stories too. Women that have been going through hell. I've sung with Amazon descendant in Nabome. Mm-hmm. Many songs, <laughs> profound songs. So I put them there. I listen to Talking Head, I listen to the women. And the song goes.
3: They go together.
6: And and the message just match so well. And I also I think that this project for me is about many things. After the last election, I said, I don't want to live in darkness. I don't want to live in fear because I had never been uh, uh, raised in fear. Whatever going to happen, my music going to be always the one that's going to remain in light and keep people in light. One. The second reason is that the voice of the women have so much wisdom that this album deserved to have it. The third thing is, when they wrote this album and they did this album, it was in, at the Reagan era, War on Drugs. And now we have War on Democracy. So I start listening to the lyrics differently. And people used to tell me, those talking head songs, man, the words are absurd. You don't understand nothing. And I'm like, you got to know how to listen to it. Mm-hmm. You got to know how to listen to it. And the first time I heard burn on the punches, I'm like, this is corruption big time here. We are all born on the punches. Our leaders have set up a system of corruption that deprives us from our rights to thrive, our children to thrive, our, our society to function. North, south, east, it does not matter where it is. It's not an African problem. It's a worldwide problem. And that, for me, is one of the things that we have to shed light on. Because if you look at it, You look at the world in which we are living, I'll take it from Africa. After colonization, and I say colonization still exists in Africa. The independence that we have is just a word with no substance because the independence that we had does not allow us Africans to sell our resources, the price we want. We don't set the price of our resources. People come and take it and pay the price they want. And that Sometimes they don't pay. They don't give money to a, a, a government that they want to keep in place to be able to st- to take what they need from Africa. And in order to continue that after uh, uh, what they call independence, they have to find a way to stop every single person that are going gonna to say to them, this is not doable. It starts with Lumumba, Kwame Nkrumah, all those educated men when they, the, 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 the country colonizing them presented to them what they call the colonial pact, in which, basically, they have no power. You are independent, but you have no power. You can have a currency. If you want to build a road, we have to come and do it. Anything you have to do, we have to do it for you. You cannot make any policy mm-hmm. that will impact our interest. And you have to keep your population on the check. No riot in the street against our interest. All those things are written in the pact. So when Lumumba stand up against it, they kill him. Not, I mean, with the the help of CIA. The CIA, the guide of CIA said, we kill him and dump him in acid for him not to have any place where people can come and say, this is our hero. So, why did they do that? Because they put people puppets in politics in high places. They continue doing it. I don't know if you see uh, the the documentary uh, uh, in, on CNN about the cobalt.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Well, you gotta see that the children are working to get cobalt. The cobalt people don't even know where it's going when they put it on the on the on the bus. They have paper and they write the amount. But well, who is it going to? You can't find it. I mean, and then the, the, the head of Tesla is saying, oh, we always follow the origin. And then they go and they say, ask him where it is. The paper is here. What is your name? So it's always everything. The business, the way business is done in Africa is done nowhere. The rule of business don't apply in Africa. It's just we come, we take, we leave. So for me, Born on the Punches was the, the first song. that, And I said, I'm going hard on this one. I'm going to do it. And then you have cross cross eye penless. Cross eye penless is about calling people names. You call us what? You call us the N word. You call us any kind of name. But what kind of name you want us to tell, to give you? you? You start telling me who you are. That question never come out. Who are you? How do you see yourself co- uh, 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 compared to us? If you call us name, who are you? Why do you call us that name? And who give us that name? And what give you the right to give us that name? So that's it, cross-eye penlets. Your eyes are crossed and it goes to the direction that function for you. The rest you don't want to know. And so on and so forth. So the whole album, I listened to it completely differently. The Great Curve is about Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. Not only the nature, but the women. From, since, since we have been on this planet... Who tells the story of the women, not about the, the man? Adam and Eve is all my mom say. All our problem as women start from there, from the moment a man cannot stand for his own, take responsibility for his own desire, and have to blame a woman for tempting him, mm-hmm. and he has a brain to think, knowing very well that apple, if he takes it. There are going to be consequences. He took it anyway and blamed a, a woman. Did I always ask the question, did Eve just knock him down and put his, her feet on her throat and shove it in his mouth?
3: No, no, nope. no.
6: So why do we have to be blamed for the man's sexual life? <laughs> I, I mean, there's a war, a rage again in this country against women to go through abortion. Abortion is not never an easy decision to make for any woman. It takes two to dance the tango. Where's the guy? If the guy is there helping the woman, the woman will not think two seconds to go have an abortion. So we are blamed for that too. Everything we blame, we are blamed for. So the Me Too movement is a great movement, but we have to have a Me Too movement for the Mother Earth, because the way we're treating this planet, oh my God, oh my God, is bad. Beyond bad. Beyond bad. Exactly. House is in motion. Is the two thousand eight crisis? There's one. There's another one looming. Yep. They're going to come. And it's always the same. We choose, we have chosen as human beings when we come to this planet not to go for the greater good, not to go for kindness, but to go for the jugular. Go for the violence. You want something, you want it, and then somebody's on your way, we kill. We eradicate your race, and that's it. We did it for the Indian in, 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 uh, in, in Peru. We did it, I mean, everywhere. The genocide of the Aborigines people. Here, the native Indian. In Africa, slavery. I mean, and we all have made an excuse. The word of excuse for those crimes is business. When you're doing business, you're making profit. Everything is cool. We worship money more than we worship God, more than we worship human life. So for me, the whole Remaining Light album is the the anxiety of the Reagan era that we are feeling today. So how do we reconcile that? That's why my my take on um, Once in a Lifetime is so joyful. Mm -hmm. Because there's something positive about it. it. It brings us to question, how do we get here? Can we ask ourselves the questions and see the symbolism of water in all this. Every single human being has to grow up in water before you come to be born to this earth. Water has been at the center of my, our, our migration in this world, all of us, from Homo erectus to Homo sapiens to the Nathan to Davidian, all of the race we can call goes through water. The migrant crisis of today is on water. We're going to be fighting for water pretty soon. We can live without gasoline. But can we live without water? So how do we get here? Are we wrong? Are we right? My god, what have we
3: done? I'm um, hang on. <laughs> so <walking you laughs> walk, 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 walk. <laughs> Yo, this is the wokest episode yeah. of this show ever. Like, I, I, can we go on after this? Like, it, like I feel like I need to go home and listen to "Remain in Light" a couple times. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Now, did you or you should start a coffee table book of your sayings. Do you have you ever done that?
6: No, but a lot of people have my quote on it. That's day. next. Yeah.
1: That's.
3: I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there anything that you? You haven't done. You've worked with everyone. You've experienced everything. Oh well come
6: on. That's that. We have never done our album. We've been talking about. I know.
3: About. We were. I know. Uh, I know. We uh, we're gonna do it. All right. Okay. We're gonna do it. All right. But okay. So in the is that's like the the running theme to the show.
1: Everybody does a record with Questlove.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah or more more that I I've yet to yeah. hold up my end of the bargain. What <laughs> <and, laughs> sort of
1: <laughs> <laughs> too many jobs, too, too much many curating. Yeah, well,
6: no, it's not that. Because he likes music, I like him for that. Thank I you. mean, so he's, he's yeah. open to, I mean, it was very um, surprising for me when he, he started playing with me. And I'm like, this guy is an American drummer, but he's more than that. Because he listened to so different type of music. It's like me, he grew up with music, parents musician. Wow. And sometimes you can grow up with parent, parents musician and you go "I hate music man I want nothing to do with that they drive me crazy but He listens and he come up to be who he is.
3: I don't have a choice
6: He does not copy <laughs> he is himself when you hear his drumming you know it's him nobody else plays the drum the way he plays that's it and that's the most difficult thing to do in our business where you have so many talents around how do you you how are you unique and true to yourself?
3: Well, let's see if you feel that way after this Prince project comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. Uh, thank you very much uh, for coming on. <laughs> Quest loves to be. Thank you so much. Thanks for thank God, Amy. It's
6: fun. Whew,
3: man, I, I need a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I need to go we, back to college. Exactly. <laughs>
3: Anyway, on behalf of...
1: Uh, <laughs> Damn, this public school education of
3: mine. On behalf of, of Sugar Steve, of uh, Chat with Sugar, and Twin Bills. Uh, <laughs> Twin Bills. This is uh, Questlove. Also, shout out to Fontigolo. And, and it's like you. Yeah. It's like you. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Angelique, one more time. This is uh, Questlove Supreme. Thanks for You guys thank are you. great. I appreciate it. Uh, this is Questlove Supreme on Pandora. We'll see you in the next go-round. Thank you. What's Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
2: The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God.